trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. How many of you have heard that song before? Many of you. We have all responded to this pandemic in different ways. Uh, some of us just trying to stay afloat uh, as long as we can. Others of us fearing more for our health. Uh, some of us are feeling burned out. Others of us are feeling bored out, right? Uh, many of us would probably come together under one statement, though. Listening to many of you over the past few months, we would probably find commonality around this. We struggle with the unknowns. Am I right? There's a lot we don't know about our world and what's going on. When will it end? Right? is a burning question in the front of many of our minds. Will the second wave be worse than the first? I found myself thinking that a lot this week. Um, some of you may be thinking, will I still be able to go to school and see my friends? What sort of long-term effects will this have on our career, my career, my mental health? Economic growth. What about my retirement savings? We just don't know. In a time like this, it becomes very clear to most of us that we can't rely on ourselves for our sense of security. It seems like we have lost complete control over, over our future. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Now? <laughs> the lectionary has been moving through uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been soaking ourselves in the teaching of Jesus as he's going towards Jerusalem, going towards the cross, and we're hearing profound things about grace. Pastor Ken shared with us um, profound things about forgiveness and judgment. Um, we're hearing about God's beautiful and large view of salvation, and now we come to readings and a story that Jesus tells that kind of wrap all these things up in a package that calls us to trust and obey. And the Bible says here in these readings that who we give our allegiance to, whatever we trust and obey, is really important because it controls our hope it controls our peace. It controls our joy in troubled times like we find ourselves in. I'm going to sing it one more time. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And so this morning in these passages, we see the call to obedience, the grace of obedience, and the hope. Of obedience. The call, the grace, and the hope. So first, the call of obedience. Across the whole story of the Bible, from start to finish, we see God calling people to give their allegiance to him. Started with ancient Israel in the Old Testament. Well, started in the garden, but I'm going to pick it up with the people of God, ancient Israel, who entered into a binding promise with God. Call it a covenant with him. And the covenant was God coming to his people, calling a people to himself to be his own special possession. And he says, if you obey me, if you listen to me, if you trust me, 
I will lead you, I will guide you, I will protect you, and I will bring you into a land of abundance. And many of us, we read the terms and conditions of this binding agreement as the Ten Commandments, right? The, the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And in the Old Testament, the fate and the future of the nation of Israel was wrapped up in how, how they obeyed this law. Did they follow it? And so the, the passage from Ezekiel that we read this morning is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel to the people of Israel who were in exile because they had turned away from the terms and conditions. They had disobeyed God. And, uh, but the people who were in exile were upset. They were frustrated with God because they thought that they were getting punished for something that they didn't do. They thought they were getting punished for something that their parents did. That's what this proverb is all about. This really strange proverb that probably confused you. It confused me when I was uh, reading it this, this week. And basically what this, this proverb at the, be this beginning, uh, the beginning of um, Ezekiel 18 is saying is, you know when you uh, get sour, sour Patch Kids or Sour Skittles, and you put them in your mouth, and they make your face contort all weird and funny because and, it's sour, and it's, it just makes your, your taste buds react. The proverb is saying that if parents eat Sour Patch Kids, it's the kid's face, the children's face, that gets contorted. In other words, what hap what the, the sin of the parents is, it leads to punishment for the children. And God speaks against this. He says, no. This isn't true. It says, for everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Now this sounds harsh, but what God is saying is that each person, each person is responsible for their actions. I remember a while ago I went on a high ropes course. Has anyone been on one of those high ropes courses before? Yeah, some of you have. Well, the they're absolutely terrifying. And the reason why they're absolutely terrifying is because they're actually designed to be absolutely terrifying. The point is in these courses that it draws out our fear. And at one point in these courses, where you're really high up at the highest point, and then you'll get to, to a spot where you have to do something incredibly daring and incredibly terrifying. Maybe it's jumping across to like a small platform and landing on it, or walking across a really narrow rope, or climbing up a, a ladder that's 50 feet above the ground. Something that's absolutely terrifying. And what it does is it brings out our fear, and a fear of heights, a fear of falling, a fear of the equipment uh, letting us down, fear of failure for some of us, and being seen as a failure. When this happens, there's different voices that come up, aren't there? There's voices in our own heads that say, you can't do it. This is too scary. This is too fearful. Just get down. Turn around. And the voices from your friends or the instructor down below that's saying, you're almost there, right? You can do it. Just close your eyes and jump. But on the ropes course, it's up to you. Right? You have to take that step. You have to take responsibility for your actions. God is saying this to the Israelites. You can't blame your parents for the exile that you find yourself in. You have to look in the mirror. 
You have to see that you are responsible for your own actions. Years after Ezekiel is prophesying to the exiles of Israel, Jesus takes this a step further. Jesus is being questioned in this passage in Matthew about his authority and and how he can do the things that he does and why he can teach the things that he teaches. And he tells the teachers of the law, the pastors, the church leaders, a story about two sons working in a vineyard. Jesus says that the first son is asked by the father to work in the vineyard and responds right away by saying, "Mm, no. Nope then reconsiders and changes his mind and actually goes to work in the vineyard. The second brother is approached by the father in the exact same way, and the second brother says to the father, yes, sir, right away, sir, I'll go, sir, but doesn't go. And so Jesus puts these two sons before the people and says, which of, the, which of these two obeyed? And they say the second, or sorry, the first. The one who said no at first, but then decided to go. That's the one who obeyed. And Jesus says, yes, you're right. The one who did the right thing. The one who actually let his obedience be transformed into an action. Imagine you did this when your parents asked you to cut the grass or empty the dishwasher, right? Which, which one would be obedience? Would it be the first or the second? We know this is true. Obedience means putting your money where your mouth is. It, it's not about just giving lip service. It's about actually, tr- actually doing something, stepping out. But deeper than that, it's it's a test of trust. Obedience is trusting God's way over your way. The Bible teaches us that we have to do this. We are responsible to do this. Each one of us is responsible to, to obey in our actions. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, even when we don't like it, even when we don't want to obey, like the first son, we do it anyway. What about the grace of forgiveness or of obedience? I don't know about you, but when I hear about obedience and the obedience that God calls us to, I think back on my own life. I think uh, introspectively. And I I know I've, I've in the past failed to take responsibility for my actions. I know that I've passed blame on other people for, for situations that were entirely my fault. I know that I've often, I often try to take my life into my own hands and control the outcome. And as your pastor, uh, who preaches the gospel to you on a regular basis, I, I, have to, I have to say that oftentimes I get up here on Sunday morning, right, and I preach a message about forgiveness and judgment, for example, and then I find that The week to come, I fall into the same pattern that I preached against on Sunday morning. I, in other words, I give lip service to God, but I fail to respond in my actions. You know, this happens even, you know, 
driving home from church, sitting around the, the kitchen table and thinking back on Sunday morning and thinking, ah, I'm not, I didn't get enough affirmation this morning. I'm not a good person. I, I'm, I'm not worthy of God's love or acceptance. I, I, or flipping on my news feed on Monday morning and thinking, this world is out of control. There's no way that there's anything good happening. I so easily forget the message of the scriptures, and I give lip service to it, and my, my actions don't line up. The, the words of the hymn speak to me, you know, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Am I the only one who feels this way? I think this is a deeper issue for many of us. Because our failure to obey God actually is because we struggle to trust his way over ours. We, we like to control the outcome. We like to know the future. We like to see a situation before it happens. It's so much more comfortable for us to live in this way. But the Bible tells us something different. One pastor sums it up like this. He says, I sometimes ask my nine-year-old daughter to do something. And she says back to me, Dad, I hear you. And I want to listen to you, but just tell me why. Just tell me why you want me to do this, and I'll do it. And this pastor says, when, when my daughter responded to me in this way, I said back to her, no, you listen to me, not because you agree with me, but because I'm 39 and you're 9. Don't listen to me because you agree with me. Listen to me because you obey me. And what's the difference between those two? When you agree with someone, because sometimes we agree with God, and it's easy to obey. But agreeing has limits. Right? All of a sudden, when we come into something where we don't see how it benefits us, or how it's good for our soul, or how it leads us into life, then we'll abandon. But obedience is deeper than that. Obedience brings on vulnerability. It's trusting when we don't see the outcome, when we don't see the future. And it comes down to this with us and God. Do we trust? Is God trustworthy? Can I obey him knowing that he will not let me down, that I won't be put to shame, that he has my best interest in mind? How can we know? Where as Christians can we look for assurance in this? Well, the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ equal to God in nature, equal to God in power, came down to earth, right? He was the Word made flesh, the truth, the perfect alignment of belief and action, right? He talks about, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, you know, my will is to do the will of my Father in heaven. Obedience. What Jesus obeyed, and his actions lined up with his words all the time. This is what's wrapped up in, in John 1 when he talks about the logos, the, the, the word, the, the, the mean, it was the, the Greek philosophy of the day, said that the logos was the meaning and purpose behind the universe. It was the perfect alignment of, of belief and action. That was what logos was. Christ is that. And we see this in a powerful place when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's faced with his future, and he knows where it's going to lead him. And he's crying out to God. He says to him, if there is another way for you to do this, let this cup pass from me. 
but he concludes, not my will, but yours be done. Perfect obedience. And it killed him. Perfect trust in God, and he was put to shame. See, what Christ did on that cross was he took upon himself all of our fears and failures. The shame that we fear when we step out and trust, Christ has already shouldered on the cross, and it killed him. He was cast out. He descended to hell. So that we have hope in our obedience, because on the third day, Christ rose again, meaning death no longer has mastery over him. Baptism is a sacrament in our church where we where we put this into practice. Baptism doesn't mean we enter perfection. Rather, baptism, the waters of baptism, seal in us the assurance and hope that we are united with Christ in his death and in his life. Christ is the answer, and obedience is the way to get more of Christ, because when we step out, we discover that Christ is there with us. Tim Keller reminds us of this when he says this. He says, without the gospel, without seeing the grace of Christ, we may obey the law, but we will hate it. We will use it, but we will not love it. But if we obey the law because we are saved, rather than to be saved, we will do so for God. Once we understand this salvation by promise, we do not obey God any longer for our sake. Rather, through the gospel, we now obey God for his sake, using our obedience to please and delight our Father. See, obedience does not earn us salvation or good things. Rather, it is how we please and delight our God. Step out on the ropes course into the vulnerability, into the unknown, and Jesus will meet you there. Give him your wholesale obedience, and it will lead you to a deeper joy, deeper than you could ever imagine. The the words of that song I sang are are true. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. See, we don't know what's going on in our world. We don't know exactly what God is up to. But because of the cross, because of Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, and his spirit at work in each one of us, we can trust and obey to take that step and follow him because God has redeemed us. And he will never let us down. Let's pray. Father, we constantly fail you. We give lip service to you and our actions don't line up. We forget you all the time. And we're so thankful for Christ who has given us hope and has set us free that we may serve you 
obey you out of our delight in forgiveness, the delight in the life that you offer us through Jesus. Father, help us to see that the obedience you want from us is obedience that flows out of joy, not out of fear. Father, help us in your spirit to take the step and to put you first in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.